Yeah. <laughs> Sounds about right. Yes. What have you done today, Finn? Planted some plants in the garden. Oh, that's Ooh. lovely. Planted some seeds. Oh, oh any, nice. anything, anything of any seeds of love. Any speciality? <laughs> any, any like you know, like rocket or rocket? Like no, nice, nice vegetables. Decorative shrubs and bedding plants, bringing oh. some colour. That's lovely. lovely. Yeah. How about yourselves? You've been busy. if things are going to be even yeah if it does go back to normal in october there'll be a gig every fucking night for the next four well, years yeah it will be harvest time but probably probably like go back to doing like two gigs a day yeah, <laughs> like in the 60s yeah, well, mat- matinee shows well just before all this kicked off i saw that um we interviewed uh, a girl called Jamila from a band called Ithaca, sort of really heavy, sort of hardcore band, and they did a show. They did a tour with a band called Big Thief, and when they were in, they when they, when they got to Copenhagen, this all kicked off. So, to restrict the amount of people in the venue, they did a matinee and an evening show, and that was yeah. only like about a month ago. Um, so we had like you know half the cap in. Mm. Um, that seems like the way it will probably end up going. Possibly, I mean, it was the Danish seem to have it right sometimes yeah you know it's it's a it's a hard one to gauge things i'm reading people are saying autumn 2021 right but really yeah i don't know you know the the, what i can gather it'll be like no more than 200 i think is it like 200 people uh, like 200 cap shows from september time and then you know, which means essentially what you'll have is just a load of artists doing intimate shows. <laughs> Secondary markets. You know. <laughs> Secondary <laughs> markets. <laughs> um, should we should we crack on with this then? Tom, should, are you ready yeah. to record? Oh yeah, I've been I've been recording all of this. Before, before, getting, well, getting well, well, before we start, is anything on the horizon for Hellas for Heroes, mate, or have you wrapped it up? No, there's there's potential. We um we had a meeting not that long ago. Meetings of just going to the pub together, really. But oh, that's what I love to do. Joy. Uh, another supporting hundred reasons again. Who? Won. Oh, nice. I can't remember what they were celebrating. Something. A um, hundred years being a band. Yeah. Something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they wanted us to support them again, but we kind of felt it was a little bit. Rehashing what we did. Yes. This is a year anniversary or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we decided that we were better off doing something of our own volition, you know, getting getting something done, an EP. Awesome. Uh, cool. Yeah. But there's there's young babies kicking about and it's kinda of hard to to get everyone in a room together really. But um I think, you know, now's a good time. Everyone's at home practicing and writing, so you know, yeah, you never know. It'd be good. Because the main thing really was we did, uh, it was 2,000 trees that we did. Mm. Well, last, I think it was. 
and everyone brought their wives and their kids and everyone just hung out together and it was I think it was kind of the first time we'd all hung out with the families all five of us and you know we thought you know we have to do this again really so it's basically look for a and any, any old excuse to kind of get together and, <laughs> you know, get, get hang musical. out with each other. It's probably nice to, it's probably nice to kind of have that pressure off as well to kind of just know that it's it's like a a sort of a social event as well as anything else you know yeah that's been the real blessing of it really to be honest being in a defunct band is that anything that comes along is just the bonus and there's no you know there's no pressure there's no it is just a nice thing you know just to hang out with each other, really. Awesome. Gone are the days where we'd argue about shit gigs or, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and we're going to make you rehash all of that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, dig them all up for us. <laughs> Splendid. Do you, want, Slam, do, you want me, do you want me to do a slick intro or a dreadful intro or non-intro? I, mean, non I don't, or I don't think we're doing an intro. I'll probably just put this in. It's fine. Right. Well, I think it's the charm of it. Well, Ben, you're gonna to have to introduce who we've got on this show. Well, this, is just, like, this is why I said this is why I said dribble into it. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. Dri I'm not dribbling in. We've we've set a precedent now. I'm doing a fucking. Slide. Whatever. A bit, of, a bit of back pressure. Here we go. Right. Sorry, Crack yeah, on. <laughs> Welcome to the Long Drive Home podcast with Alpha Mill Tea Party, and today we've got a cracking guest for you. We've got Finn, the bass player from Hell Is for Heroes. How are you doing, Finn? Hey, I know I've asked you about way. five minutes ago, but how are you? <laughs> All good, thank you. All good. Good. So surviving, uh, surviving. yes, absolutely. Um, so uh, probably a little bit of a back, a little bit of a back sort of story talk. This this friendship, if you will. Uh, we got asked to play with you guys uh, about two, three years ago. No, not that long ago. Was it? Two about years two ago, years round ago. about now. It was. It was. It, I remember it being very yeah. warm. So it was, was absolutely baking in Brighton and Concord. Yeah, July kind of time, I think. Yeah, because okay. you just wanted to play download, weren't you? That's right. Yeah, and uh, a friendship blossomed and bloomed, and uh, we had a lovely time together. As for well, get you on and relive some of the, um, you know, the less good memories of the uh, of the Hellas <laughs> for Heroes. Well, <laughs> ones you well on with the negatives, eh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're in, a, we're in a negative frame of mind um, socially and economically right now. Why not just bring it into the podcast? Yeah, fair um, So, <laughs> without further ado, would you like to... Uh, do you want to talk us through one of your worst ever gigs? Well, yeah, <laughs> sure. I mean... Before, before, hang on, before, before you go, do you have notes? Because everyone has been bringing notes to the podcast. I do have notes, yeah. Oh, we've got ah, a pro. We've got a pro. And uh, also phoned up band members and tried really? to get them to rejig my memory. But to be honest, the ones you so. know that I'd already had were, were standout ones. Really. Yeah. Um, but what a bad gig is, you know, because sometimes I was telling stories and you know speaking to Joe, the drummer, and Will. They were going, "Ah, oh, that gig wasn't that bad," you know. So it's all kind of you know, it is, there's a certain amount of perception through a bad gig, right? But yeah. um, the one for me is probably the worst gig I've ever done and ever been part of either as a tour manager or backline guy, whatever it is throughout all my years, was a tour we did in Germany around 2000 and 
three, I'm guessing it was. Um, we played a place called Schweinfurt. Schweinfurt. Ever heard of Schweinfurt? No. no. I think I once had the disease Schweinfurt. Schweinfurt. I think it's like an industrial town. Anyway, there's a, there's a venue there called Stott Bahnhof, it was called. And to be fair, it was quite a cool gig. It was like a punk rock gig. There was, everything was alternate. There was no Coke or Pepsi. It was a different brand on their, you know, in their internet cafe. There was no Google web browsers. It, everything was, you know, it was like a, a punk rocker's dream. And uh, there was digs there as well. So if you wanted to stay in the scabby bunk beds in the room, you could as well. Perfect. We elected not to. But anyway, we rolled in. The tour had gone kind of all right. But yeah, Schweinfurt was a new one on all of us. Uh, and the local support act rolled in and uh, the promoter said that they do every gig. So obviously they weren't too discerning about uh, whether they actually fitted the bill or not. And they were just a metal, three-piece metal band, I seem to remember. And uh, yeah, by the time it came for us to go on stage, they were the only people we played to. So, to be fair, we were kind of glad that they did us the honour of actually sticking about, because otherwise it would have been to no one. How, 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 big was, how big was the venue? There must have been about 300, 400 capacity place. Oh, God. Yeah. Miserable. So, did they, did, they have, did they have anyone watching them to speak of? I think they had some friends come down. Right, like 300 friends or? <laughs> no, they had a couple of mates who disappeared off once they were done. And oh, yeah, that. they did the honourable thing and, uh, and stuck about. Stuck around. God, oh, I mean, I can't really understand the mentality of having a sort of in-house support band because that essentially sounds like what that is. Mm, so it seems. Yeah. But yeah, when it, you know, obviously it was completely miserable. Uh, they stuck around and had beers with us after and we kind of spoke to the promoter and he was completely nonplussed by the fact that no one had said that. It was like, yeah, it's fine. Like, um, was, this show, guys? was this in Germany, by the way? Yeah. Yeah. When, yeah. We, when, when we were in Germany, what was it, um, in Freising, wasn't there... Um, that promoter wasn't too bothered about the being nowhere at the, no one at the gig. He just wanted yeah. to get us absolutely bladdered, didn't he? Yeah, he did, yeah. He just wanted yeah. us to get wrecked. I don't think he was that arsed about how many people got through the door. Yeah, it was a fucking weird gig, that one. Pretty he much soon as... And he was like, oh, oh, go on, Tom, sorry. Uh, no, I was just going to say, uh, like, pretty much as soon as we walked in the door, he'd, like, racked up a load of shots for us. We'd not done anything. It was like, <laughs> have, have, have some beer. Here's a beer. Who wants a beer? Who wants some fucking... German liqueur or whatever it was. Well, I was going to say the, the shot of choice. The shot of choice was a shot of vodka, but you had to stick. Um, you basically got like uh, a load of sherbet powder on your tongue, oh, yeah. and then threw the vodka into your mouth, swilled it, and necked it. And that was that was actually quite pleasant. But the story about that what that show is that the promoter, due to the language barrier, sort of. It was a bit, yeah, a bit of a language barrier. We thought we were only getting a beer each on the ride, and we were like, that's a bit naff, but whatever. And there was nine of us in three bands. And when we came and he'd given us each our beer, we were like, oh, 
lame one tonight then lads bit of a lame one and then that was I think that was his Germanic sarcasm coming through <laughs> in fact it was about a crate each so no one there but a crate each it just ended up, just ended up being me and you Ben like propping up the bar at like three in the morning wasn't it everyone else had gone to bed didn't someone steal some merch that night though yeah. There was no one there, and somebody actually stole something from the from stole the a record, there. stole a record of us, stole a load of um, axes stuff, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, which was pretty mad. Grim. So yeah, Germany. So it can be a really weird place to play, can't it? Sometimes because it, it, it's, it, I think there's a perception that Germany is really great to play, or that's our perception of it anyway. From yeah. a lot of people. Um, yeah, I think a lot of people said to us, "Oh, you'd go down so well in Germany." Be like, well, we've been there a load, and and no one turns up to the gigs. But we had, um, <laughs> I think we were we were touring with Papa Roach and the guy when we were signed to EMI, going back a few years, and the, the EMI game guy came out to see us, you know, play the show, and you know, we wanted to kind of talk business and all the rest of it, and he was like, yeah, 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 we'll do we'll do that, but we'll just go to this bar first, and you know, similar to your guy, he just wanted to get wrecked. <laughs> uh, um, I can't remember where we were actually, somewhere in Germany, obviously. Um, where's the Reaper Bun? Hamburg. Hey. That's, and he took us he took us to the dollhouse, I seem to remember. And ha, I've I've been there in talking business whatsoever. <laughs> this guy's just spending his expenses, isn't he? What a lad. I can't tell is I can't tell if that's good or bad. If he's kind of like, we don't need to talk business because it's already it's, it's sorted. Or, yeah, well, we were kind of, that's the way we were hoping it was, but it yeah. turns out the reality was there's a band in town. I'll take them out and get them wrecked. And, yeah. Fruit and flowers budget. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, See, my, um, my old man lives in Hamburg um, and has done for the best part of about uh, like 16 years. Right. So I, I, I know exactly where the doll's house is. <laughs> <laughs> I know that strip quite well. Is yeah. that in the naughty strip? And it's not the naughtiest strip. It's right. more like the party strip with a couple of like you oh, know, party, strip, oh, party, party strip boys. with a couple of strip joints that you you know that you walk past along to the music venue you're going to. Honest, right? Yeah, lovely, Germany. Um, cool. I mean, that sounds like a fairly humiliating uh, experience. Uh, going back to your your gig, playing yeah. to no one. You know when. When you you've been touring a lot and you're I don't know, I suppose the album would come out and toured for I don't know, it must have been on the road for maybe like three years, something like that, you know, on and off, building up to the first album, doing yeah. festivals, doing doing the release and all the rest of it. And then you do that and you think, Oh man, what what am I doing? Oh. You know, it really makes you question what the fuck am I doing in Schweinfurt? <laughs> just it was a you know it was like a demoralizing show i suppose at that time like 2003 that's that's kind of around was that like the sort of peak of what you guys were up to around that sort of time right or not not far away from yeah i mean the album came out in 2003 the first one so yeah we must we probably started in 2001 kind of gigging and and demoing and so I suppose 2003 was like the peak, yeah. That was yeah. When it was all supposed to be to be kicking off. But 
But I guess then you kind of you go from there and you've played you play like big arena shows and things like that as well. So I guess there's I, I take it I take it like that wasn't a a regular occurrence for you around that time to play to an empty room or a support yeah. band. Well, I mean, we 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 toured with Papa Roach around uh, Europe and a few other bands. We've done some some decent tours, and we thought we'd come back capitalising on on that. And yeah, it was patchy to say the least. What um, were um, what, what were Papa Roach like? Papa Roach were great, man. They were they were good bands. They were good fun. Um, we. Uh, yeah, we kind of thought we'd show the Americans how to drink, and you know, <laughs> but they didn't need any any doing at all, mate. That, they were they were prolific. They were. It was a good seven week tour around Europe, and it was a party every night. They looked after us. They were so big nice. boys yeah. as well, aren't they, Papa Roach? Like big boys. Yeah, big boys. <laughs> they were. Yeah, we had them. Um, the main support on that was a band called the Murder Dolls. Oh, oh fuck you! Yeah. 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 Joey was on the phone. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Basically, yeah. they were the butt. They were the butt of our jokes, really. Um, the Murder Dolls. They collected their own piss and had them in the dressing room, and they just did all manner of weird stuff. And Papa Roach weren't really into it, and neither were we. Yeah. Sorry, guys. Part. Sorry, guys. We're, we're just we're not really into this. <laughs> Collecting, <laughs> they collected their own piss. Yeah, they. Yeah, you know, I think they were just trying to freak people out and oh, mission, oh, mission accomplished. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it just yeah, it made everyone think that you know these guys aren't really chewing. Oh, oh yeah, I believe our backline guy took Joey. He was in Hamburg. It was no, it wasn't in Hamburg, but it was in Germany somewhere. He took Joey and a couple. From the murder dolls out, and they were drinking Jack all night. And Joey apparently pissed the bed in his bunk. <laughs> he pissed his bunk in the bus. <laughs> but from what I understand, that was was quite a common thing for Joey. He can't. He pisses the bed when he gets gets oh, no. <laughs> they, they had an English crew, and we knew the crew. So I mean, they gave us all the dirt, really. That's fantastic. Yeah. But, yeah, um, the bed. <laughs> I'll I'll be honest. I wasn't when we started this podcast. I um in our first episode, I didn't think we'd talk about Joey Jordison pissing the bed during <laughs> a podcast. But here we are. Yeah, <laughs> great. I'm digging all the gold. Um, I actually um I so this is kind of showing my age a little bit um because I I'm pretty sure that I saw the Murder Dolls on a tour around that time, 0203. And I was worried I wouldn't be allowed to get into the gig because it was was like 15 plus. And I was worried I was too young to get into the gig. But I did get in and I lost a shoe in the mosh pit. I think it was like one of the first gigs that I ever went to as well as a a sort of on my own. Well, not on my own, I have mates. You went on your own. Without me, Dad. Yeah, I went on my own to a Murder Dolls concert. <laughs> Strange activity that would be. Are they still a thing? Are they going concerned? I don't, I don't, I don't think so, no. <sighs> but, I mean, yeah. he's going to have free time on his hand since, yeah, you know, he's been slipping up, but still. Yeah, they, he, he picked up this guy in Germany who was a big Slipknot fan, and he just brought him on the tour. 
to you know wash your socks and hand out the pussy passes and all the things that American bands love to do. Um, yeah, it was odd. It was, it was not quite dynamic, but great fun. Yeah, yeah I bet. Yeah, yeah. sounds hilarious. Um, cool. Because he had the uh, he had an umbrella that said "fuck" on it. I don't know if you remember that. <laughs> an umbrella. <laughs> I remember that. It said "fuck." And our tour manager at the time was, was always, whenever he walked past him in the hall, he was like, ooh, have you got your fuck brolly with you uh, for the stage? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Uh, we should do a merch line of fuck brollies. That's not great. <laughs> go down great. Song, he brought it out for the song, I Like to Say Fuck. That was the oh, God, they really were childish, weren't they, as a band? Keeping their own piss. An umbrella. It was a different time, though. It really was a different time. <laughs> oh, dearie me. Wow. It was definitely in that sort of time where uh, people still were, like, swearing in a song was was pretty, it was still kind of like, oh, fuck you, mum and dad. I just did a swear in this song. And, you know, they're yeah. like... They're adults, aren't they? You know, they're adults, these people, but they're doing stuff that 15-year-olds would be embarrassed by now, I think. <laughs> well, I seem to remember Wheatus releasing an album that was called uh, Suck Phony, but it was obviously a spoonerism. Yeah. Uh, and they did another... Odd, and who else had a song that had, like, the acronym was F-U-C-K, but it was, like... I think it was the Bloodhound Gang. That was, like, prime Bloodhound Gang era, wasn't it? And they mm-hmm. were, like... Yeah, they were the, they were sort of like the kings of that sort of immaturity. They like that only the murdered dolls could aspire to be. <laughs> right. Well, yeah. When I when I asked our guitarist, who is he tends to look on the negative side. Oh, brilliant! That's what we like. Yeah, we more get him on. kind of guy. But um, it was the gig after the one we did with you. It was the it was oh. the uh, damn show. Mm. That's one of the worst. One of the worst. But I suppose it's probably one of the freshest because it's the penultimate show we did. But yeah, his succinct wording was, well, it, it was it was terrible and it was quite high profile. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough. So there's plenty of people there to see you play badly. And that probably puts you out there. The polar opposite of no one actually being there. Loads of people watching yeah. you play a real yeah. stinker of the show. So, so did, really. I, did did just was that that just did he feel like he just not played particularly well or what? Was oh it? no, we were we were all horrendous. Right, we were monitoring issues is you know an excuse that we can chuck around really, but <laughs> everyone was just shit. It sounded terrible. They gave us like a, a USB drive at the end of like, oh, here's your performance. And I was like, wow. that could go in a drawer and never ever see the light of day, to be honest. <laughs> I think it got, it got broadcast on Sky, but I never watched it and I haven't watched, I'm, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have you ever, dare. Have you, have you ever been really tempted if you've had a few beers just to go, you know what? I'll just stick that on. No, because you know I mean? no, to be honest, I remember at the time standing there going, this is awful. 
Oh, man. Wow. Was, was, was it an indoor back. gig? Say that again. Was it indoor? Outdoor? Indoor? No, it's outdoor. Oh, sorry. So what, what, what gig was it again? Download. 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 Sorry, sorry. So I thought, you were, I thought it was the one before download. Wow, okay. Yeah. So, yeah, I just, I've got no interest in watching that one back. It was, uh, it was, a, it was a real thinker. Yeah. Then, you know, sometimes you think it can't, it can't be that bad, but I'm fairly confident it is. <laughs> sorry, mate, sorry. sorry. I mean, like, you, you guys sounded incredible, like, at, um, uh, in Brighton, like, I suppose it was a bit of a, what, what happened? <laughs> <laughs> what happened? Was it, was, yeah, it's weird, isn't it? It, like, was, it was an odd one, I think, because it came, we got the offer to do it just after the, the tour we did, which was, which went, you know, incredibly well. And literally straight after it, it was back to the day job and it was all a bit dreary. And then we got a phone call saying, you know, one of the bookers for download was there. He liked the show. We got a good slot, good fee. You know, it was probably one of the best slots we've ever had probably in our, in our careers. So everyone was like flying high. This is going to be, it's going to be a great gig. And yeah, you know, when sometimes when you think that's going to be a great gig, it's, it's the polar opposite. Must be, just be something about like the wind direction or the atmospheric pressure or something that like <laughs> you know we can, throws, we can throws you off a little bit. Day, yeah. No, I think it was user error. User error. <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do you think because it was obviously a bit a you know it was a big show for you? Do you do you think you sort of put a bit a, there was like added pressure for it to go well? Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, you know, and I think that's why. Yeah, that's probably, you know, maybe it wasn't as bad. Maybe you know, it just didn't live up to the expectations. You know, it was pretty terribly played. But to be honest, when we go back to talking about being in a defunct band, as bad as it all was, we came off stage and there was no repercussions. There was no, no one was in a mood. No one was that pissed off, really. It was just like, that was pretty awful, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to get smashed. Yeah, let's do it. You know? It was just one of those things. You know, back in the day, you know, that would have been, you know, this is what we've been working towards all summer. This is the big show. But yeah, no, not anymore. It's, um, yeah. The pressure's, the pressure was on, but it's always still off because at the end of the day, everyone's got their other jobs. Yeah. Yeah, you know. I mean, it sounds in a way, it sounds like it's sort of quite liberating. I mean, because, like, I guess for us, we've, we never really have that pressure because there's, ne there's like, there's never anything riding on us being good or bad other than our own kind of, uh, you know what I mean? There's no, there's no like yeah, yeah. executive kind of standing at the side of the stage like, thinking about signing a fucking five album deal with us or anything like that. So we, we not that we don't put pressure on ourselves at gigs. I don't know what I'm saying. No, I know, I know what you're saying because you're not, you're not like, you put your own sort of sense of personal pressure and you're like, I really want to do a good gig because there's people who've paid money to see us and also 
you know, I like playing good gigs. Um, I'm not a big fan of playing bad gigs, but no, I know what you mean, Tom, in the sense that there's no like ma- major label sort of exec on, in, in the wings going, hmm, if they play another note out of tune, I'm going to not give them 20 grand or that kind of, we've never, it never sort of had that kind of mm. business-like pressure on us. It's just mm. kind of, if we have a dreadful show, laugh it off and usually the audience laughs with us unless um, yeah, unless not, they don't understand the language we're speaking uh, which has definitely happened before yeah when you just forget you're not in england and you can't you do the inverted commas banter you usually do um, me specifically no me and you because right, we're okay. the ones with mics even though everyone wants to hear greg talk but no one wants to hear me talk <laughs> um cool so what uh, what else is on your list there then well, I've got, I've got uh, a story with a sting in the tail, and I suppose. Oh, good. Nice. Ooh, is, uh, is, is, is Sting in the story? Unfortunately not. No. Oh, <laughs> that's a shame. You've lost Greg. So, I, you can work out what happens from the way I introduce it, because it, it was supposed to be my last ever show. Right. We've done a, a UK tour, a farewell tour, uh, finished that off in Glasgow and then we had one more show booked which was a show in uh, Mallorca about a week after Ooh. yeah Mallorca sounded nice uh, and so we got wind of it promoted booked a velodrome in Mallorca right had like a punk all day we had all the biggest bands around we were main support so a big local act there um, yeah, it was going to be a great gig in an arena, you know, was, who can ask for more? Um, so we fly out there and um, realise when we get on the plane that it's off season, there's no one flying to New Yorker. Um, get there, and there's not many people kicking around. And we think, well, how many people actually live in New Yorker to actually fill an arena? But, you know, maybe there's enough locals. I'm sure it'll be fine. Um, so we land, we go to the venue, we drop some stuff off, and we've got a rep there. He's very nice. He reckons everything's going to be going all right. Uh, he said, oh, one problem, though. Ticket sales have been a bit slow because it's El Clasico tonight. Oh, <laughs> that could be problematic, but, you know, I'm sure these guys are punk rockers. Are they really going to care that much if they're going to miss a football match? Uh, so we disappear off to the hotel. Uh, and then we come back, I don't know, probably about an hour before showtime. Uh, we get dropped off uh, at the stage door. And as we walk in, all the staff start applauding us as we're walking through <laughs> the halls of the arena. It was quite a surreal kind of um, that moment but we were thinking uh, you know maybe they got wind that it's our last gig who knows <laughs> anyways we go <laughs> it's, it's showtime so we go to start changing over and as we start changing over there's another kind of metal band that it's kind of like a bit of a comedy situation we're bringing amps on putting them on top and then the German geezer in all metal all leather sorry is taking it off and off the stage and putting his shit on. So the kind of comedy lasts for about 10 minutes of us putting stuff up, then moving it. <laughs> the rep comes over just like, guys, come here, come here. And we're like, what's going on? And he said, well, 
I'll just have to level with you. He had to put El Clasico up on the big screens during the, the, the Aldea, so we've lost two hours worth of music. Uh, so these guys are going to play now, and uh, you're not going to play. No! What? Well, what the fuck, man? It's done. Like, no, they're on, and then it's a hard curfew, so they're, they're going to be the last band on. Um, we were just like, this is, this is our last ever fucking gig. That's unfathomable. <laughs> it's crazy, right? And what so they the fuck? Put some like uh, uh, drinks vouchers. Like that's gonna help. <laughs> so, <laughs> three what drinks vouchers each. So <laughs> like, we've, we've got to drive the airport. We can't. But, here's, a, here's a nice warm can of fucking red stripe. Oh, well, so that was it. Now, no, no fucking drinks vouchers is gonna make up for this. So we just went to the bar and we just all grabbed like a bottle of Jack each just from behind the bar. <laughs> don't, don't even challenge us, you know. Um, so we went, sat back in the dressing room and then the promoter came in with his wife crying that, yeah, he was going to lose his house and all of it and blah, blah, blah. Wow. Uh, and we, you know, didn't really give that much of a shit. Really. <laughs> 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 it was our last ever gig and he, he robbed us of it. Um, so yeah, we had our singer used to sing with like a microcorg thing that no one really liked. So instead of paying the excess to fly it back, we smashed it up in the dressing room, polished off the jack, and that was the last ever gig that wasn't a gig. What the hell? What's oh, insane? And if it wasn't for like the hundred reasons gigs happening and then you know doing a few other bits, that would have been like the, the last gig that it never happened but yeah at the time we genuinely never ever thought that we'd we, that we would do another gig after we you know we oh were, yeah we were it was going to be the last ever show i so mean did, sorry, so, you go. Did, did you get paid your fee in the end then yeah yeah, yeah. Paid paid paid. that was his big thing he was saying you know you'll definitely get paid i'm going to lose my house but you'll get paid and we were like it's, it's, not, about matters, mate. it's <laughs> not about the money this is no, really joking <laughs> No, but we, I mean, we've had this discussion before about, on a much smaller scale, a similar kind of, you know, nobody's there, someone bemoaning the fact they haven't got any money and can't pay. We, in our instance, couldn't pay our full guarantee. Um, and we've had this, and Tom's put it much more eloquently than me before, but it's like, if, you, if you're going to put on a show in like off-season Mallorca in an arena... You've got to have some balls to think people are going to come. Yeah. Like, and I mean, an hour show was just on like a Thursday night in uh, in Belfast, in like a fifty cap venue, and you know what I mean. So it's much easier. As I always say, this it's much easier for for a promoter to just say no or to just be like, mm. now that if I'm going to lose money, if you don't think you're going to make any money, or you think you're going to lose a lot of money or your house, mm. don't don't put the gig on. I, I mean, I, I feel like it's one of these situations where someone, because you, you wouldn't put that show on if you didn't, that would, if someone with any level of experience wouldn't book that show, would they? They wouldn't put that on necessarily and they, and they, they would know, they would know the run of play in Mallorca and they wouldn't take that risk. 
So it says to yeah. me that did, did, was he was he a promoter that had he done quite a lot, or was it just something? From what I understand, he was he was a decent enough promoter, but obviously not not our email. <laughs> but he, enough to get you know all the relatively local and bigish bands. But you know to make that much of a howler in the off season, El Clasico, it, it's yeah, it, you didn't think it through. And then to kind of fold under the pressure and then just put it on the big screens and that's laugh the, off that's all the other band. The yeah. maddest element of it is who. Who, who was like, you need to put the football on? This is a, an all-day event yeah. of, of rock bands. Yeah. People that have bought tickets to be here are here to see rock bands. So who's, who in that process has gone to the promoter, you need to sack off all the bands and put the fucking football game on? The football yeah. game that they could all go to the fucking pub and watch. Well, quite, yeah. You've got some bands that have flown in, international bands. But, yeah, put the TV on, yeah, because if there's football on, you know, <laughs> if it's the FA Cup final, but, you know, you, you, your favourite bands are playing. And the thing is, the classico, like, it's not a once-in-a-lifetime thing either, is it? It happens twice a year, every year, and will forever. Yeah, min- minimum twice a year as well. Oh. Oh, yeah. fucking cut together or whatever. But, was, um, it, was, it, um, was it a well-attended gig? That's how I was going to ask you. There was about, I think it was about 12,000 capacity and I think there was about two and a half, three thousand in there. So no, not really, not in the grand scheme of things, but mm. it was still like more of a crowd than we played to in a good couple of years, you know. Yeah, yeah. So... Yeah, you must have had at least a good percentage of the people there going, Play the football, put the football on, fuck the bands. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, madness. I don't, we were, we were just putting our feet up at the hotel during that time, so we, we missed all that. I guess you had no idea what was going on, yeah. No, we just ambushed, which then kind of made us think as we were kind of walking back out after seeing all the people that applauded us on the way in, thinking like. Did they know something we didn't? Did they? Yeah, that's really weird. <laughs> What's that about? I know, right? Well done, know. lads. Well done. <laughs> like a preemptive applause. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're never actually going to oh, do. It's like lambs to the slaughter. <laughs> wow. oh, what the? Yeah. That's, that's astonishing. And what a way to go out as well. Yeah, well, that oh, was it. That God. was when we, we really knew. I think. Um, one of the guitarists, we all went to like a Catholic school and most of the band are kind of Irish Catholics. And when we told, when one of the guys in the band told his mum that the name of the band was Hell is for Heroes, she was all called Jesus. No. <laughs> <laughs> and there was going to be some kind of curse. And to be honest, yeah, like we left EMI, we did three albums and four different labels and must have had like six, seven managers. Um, EMI dropped us and another label went bankrupt and we did a show in uh, Holland somewhere where our singer had an aneurysm um, and then our guitarist had an aneurysm as well. Uh, Yeah, you know, the list is endless. You know, maybe there was a curse. Maybe there was a curse. To go out on that last one, it was quite typically Hell is for Heroes. It it had 
had our fingerprints all over it. <laughs> <laughs> you just sort of sit back and think, like, this is so us. <laughs> That's what we were saying as we were sweeping the jack that we'd stolen from the bar. Um, yeah, this is this is how I imagine we'd go out. <laughs> At least you got a free holiday to Mallorca out there. Yeah, for a That's, day. Yeah. yeah. What was what, what was the hangover and what was the plane journey like on the way back? Somber. Somber. Yeah. <laughs> I think uh, we had Larry from Hundred Reasons doing our sound. He just found it quite hilarious. So that that kind of made it made it kind of all right because we saw we saw the glee of Port Larry and thinking, oh, you know what? Like he's seen the fun side. It can't, it can't be all bad. Oh, man. oh my god! I think that might be my favourite story that we've had on it so far. Yeah, definitely. I think it could be. It's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's fucking unbelievable. I mean, like you'd come to him and you'd just be like, ah, oh, fuck this shit, man. Like, <laughs> It could have got worse that you could have maybe had like your equipment stolen or maybe the your equipment not getting on a plane. That would like, you know, that's the only well, way you could that's go That's so once. bad. Yeah, we, we destroyed items it's just so we didn't have to pay to fly it back. Yeah, that, that's a good point. Yeah, you did. All <laughs> <laughs> well, just like, you know, we all hate like Michael, don't you? Was it, was you? He, he, he knew, right? Okay. Oh, that's fine. They are a bit shit, to be fair, those microcords. They've got, like, four usable sounds on them, and the rest of them, you're kind of like, oh, it's that sound, is it? Yeah, all right, so, cool. It was, yeah, you know, and to be honest, yeah, when it's front and centre, and there's five of you all trying to move around, and our singer used to move around quite a lot, and as soon as he got that microcord... Was he just sat there on the... He got, he got a bit static, and yeah, yeah. the sounds weren't great on it. And we were just like, that thing's got to go. No, yeah. no, I like it for the Bopoda. It's like, get rid of it. Wow. What a way to bow out, eh? Yeah. Impressive. Impressive. Wow. Do, you, do you have any others that are similar to that? Because that was great. Yeah. No, no, that was, that was, the, that was the, the, the big finale, I think. Yeah, I mean, that was definitely a big finish. Uh, in, in, in the scheme of shitty gigs, that's a big finish. I think it's it's the scale of it that's so impressive as well. The fact that it's in an arena, the fact that you flew mm. all the way to New York for it, the fact that it was your very last gig, just everything, you know, everything there kind of makes you go, oh yeah, this should be really good. This should be yeah. fun. It could be a really good way for us to kind of bow out and then for it to just be like, nah. Yeah, well, that was it. It wasn't like, um, we knew it was going to be our last gig, so we... We kind of asked the questions in advance. We were like, "This is this is completely bona fide." This, you know, we don't want. Basically, we didn't want what did actually happen to happen. So we yeah. tried, we thought we'd covered our bases and gone. Yeah, you know what? Like, it needs to be decent enough promoted. It needs to be for real. We don't want to just turn up to a fucking car park or something. And it was, and it all shaped up quite nicely. We, you know, they brought us there. We looked at the hired gear. Oh yeah, it's all good. Yeah, we'll be fine. Decent enough hotel. Came back to applause. It does. It's actually going to be good. And then, yeah, the rug just got swiped, and then yeah, all hell broke loose. <clears throat> I feel like I feel like I need to sit for a moment of silence to just. Uh, yeah. Just, <laughs> it's good that you can look retrospectively look back and go. Like, I'm, I'm glad that that was the way. I'm not glad, but you're like, well, that's the way that that happened. <laughs> like, yeah. Quite, you know, 
I, I think that's much more interesting a story to tell than just be like, oh, we played a really, yeah, it was a, it was a good show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, that's, well, that's, yeah. I think that's a better story to tell in the long run. But to be honest, it kind of felt like um, we did need a bit of closure after it, you know, because then you know, the last gig was, was Glasgow, which was a good enough gig, you know, and, and that's all fine. But as the years went on, a few of the guys in the band, you know, kind of remembered it quite negatively and there was never... Not everyone always wanted to, to you know, get together and, and do it again. But there was always that nagging kind of thing of, you know, we haven't actually seen it through. We haven't played it. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, luckily when 100 Reasons asked us to do that, that was the first thing we'd done in like five years. But, I mean, I think it was the first time most of us had actually picked instruments up in that time as well. Wow. Um, yeah, so it kind of felt like it left a bit of a bad taste in everyone's mouth. Yeah, you know, found, found tools and didn't pick them up again and everyone went back to work. And Yeah, once we kind of picked up again, we did those gigs and did our own tour and did some good festivals. Now it feels like people have got a little bit of inspiration. To, we're meeting up and talking about, you know, doing some writing. So to be honest, maybe they did us a favour in New Yorker and... <laughs> swiped our last gig for a reason just wiping the slate clean a little bit for you yeah i mean god i don't even know what to say it's a lot to unpack isn't it it really is yeah but there we are i think that's like you said it's one that, that if that's the apex of the tales that is one hell of a way to yeah, do it yeah. um people do tend to leave the like the, the best for last on this one like a couple of episodes ago someone talked about um someone uh dying in the street just before they went on so you're like oh well you're, i mean i'm not saying best what i mean is the more it's not a competition <laughs> it's not a competition <laughs> but eventually i will make a, a league table of these stories. <laughs> well, we, can do, we can do a greatest hits episode <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah exactly um well i suppose that's one way to sort of round it off then yeah um, i mean I had, a, I had a couple of little questions just sort of oh, sorry go on to, no no it's all right it's just more about the the time that you guys were sort of most active was quite a strange time in music in general wasn't it in in terms of there was a real that was the start of the transition from sort of like traditional kind of record label major label kind of brand mm -hmm. things over to the more sort of digital kind of diy sort of aspect of it um I'm just curious as to whether there, there was any sort of crossover with you guys in terms of, of how that affected your career as, as, as a band and in terms of, because I know like bands like Ruben, for example, are quite fucking vocal about how that transition period kind of screwed them over a little bit from like traditional labels yeah. and kind of people ripping everything off on fucking Napster or whatever. Yeah, well, I suppose, I mean, it was at a time Ruben must have been, I don't know, I suppose six months behind us in a way. So 100 Reasons were, you know, flying the flag and they got signed to Sony. We got signed to EMI. Um, and they, yeah, they put us on tour. I mean, to be fair to them, they they gave us tour support and we, we toured for like two years, like nonstop. 
Toy Papa Roach, uh, Feeder, American Hi-Fi, Three Doors Down. That Three Doors Down tour was probably some of the worst gigs I've ever played as well. Um, <laughs> Can you pick any else before we go? Because you know when you play a show and everyone's just like, what? don't get it. No. Oh, no. Three Doors Down are like super American as well, aren't they? Because yeah. didn't they play Trump's inauguration? Yeah, Mark, Is that yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. All right, sounds about their speed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we, we wanted to um, we wanted to do the Blood Brothers tour, and the label were just like, nah, nah. we're going to do the Three Doors Down tour. Oh. <laughs> because they're playing they're playing theatres. Blood Brothers are playing clubs, and it was like, yeah, but no one that listens to Three Doors Down going to get us. Yeah. Whereas Brothers is a better match, but yeah. Anyways, it was a pretty miserable tour. And American the, the American the Hi-Fi tour. is a is a name I haven't heard in a long time. Yeah, yeah, as well. But they were nice enough guys. It was a decent tour, to be fair. Um, but um, best the label that you know, Three Doors Down was a bit of a blip. But yeah, they were they were good to us, and and you know, the tour support came in, and it was it was amazing, and you know they. The videos they paid for, the budgets were, you know, ridiculous. If you ask yeah. me. Um, and then, yeah, it just kind of seemed like overnight. I seem to remember we got into trouble for a singer made a gag about the album coming out in, you know, a month or whenever it was coming out. And he said, "I'll be available for free." And then the label were like, "Well, why are you saying that shit?" He was like, "Well." It is because someone's going to put it online. And it's going to get streamed. It's like, yeah, but you can't be telling people that. It's like, well, <laughs> everyone knows, you know. And then when the album was, that was kind of the cusp of when it was happening. They were trying to uh, put like security seals on them or um, imprints on it to try and, so then you could, once it was being uploaded, you could work out where the CD came from, what department. And you think, but if it's promotions, it's there job to send it out to people so yeah. how can you how can you kind of police then, yeah exactly and you've got to hire a load of staff to actually kind of keep on top of that and then yeah you know, i guess at that point as well there wasn't the legislation in place to sort of because it took them a while to actually put legislation in place to kind of safeguard against well not even safeguard against it but actually sort of officially make it um, unlawful to kind of illegally download stuff away. Yeah, I mean, at the time, it, it felt like it, inevitably it was a losing battle. I mean, there was mm. there was no way that they could do anything about it. So I suppose we kind of, you know, kind of being a, a young rock band down with the kids, as they, no one ever said, but, um, <laughs> you know, like they, they looked to us, they wanted to, to sign us because... EMI didn't have any bands at the time. They had Kylie and uh, Robbie Williams, and, but they didn't have any bands, and historically they did. So they wanted like a touring band that could kind of bring some youth in. But then as soon as you bring in, you know, the opinions of the kids, you know, saying, well, people are downloading stuff, that's, you know, you just kind of got to accept that. They didn't want to hear it. So obviously they were still sort of stuck in their ways. But And then shortly after that, Robbie signed his 30 million deal, the first 360. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then third of the EMI staff got laid off. And yeah, just like just like that, the whole music scene changed, like beyond belief. There was no, 
it's all support. There was no nothing. Everything just disappeared. Okay, yeah. wow. wow. So it was as cut and dry as that then. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. And but we've got Robbie know, Williams to thank. We have. Yeah. If he'd have just awesome. had a bit more, yeah, a bit more respect for work <laughs> sales, and it, you know, yeah, nowadays you sign a deal with a major, it's yeah, they they've got you. Yeah, well, that's kind of the impression I'm getting from people anyway. Yeah, because I guess because they're, they're, they're so they can't recoup anything from recorded music anymore, can they? Like at all. Uh, so the only thing that they can make any money from is, is taking cuts from live shows and, and from merch sales, I guess. And that's that's where the 360 thing sort of came in. But I remember learning about that at university as well, because I studied pop and music at uni. And, we, we kind of discussed the 360 deal as a, as a concept kind of coming in because, you know, traditionally it was like the, the record label didn't ever really have a hand in the merchandising side of things. It was all no, part all. of the band and stuff. Yeah, it's a weird thing. And I guess it moves so slowly. I mean, I don't know how you even like, how you even combat or... Because it's still like, you know, there's still like a gaping hole in the music industry in a lot of ways from from that what was happening you know like late late 90s early 2000s because was, was it like 97 was like the, the peak of of like physical album sales like right. ever and then it just sort of it nosedived pretty much was it 99 naps that came in or something like that and then it right. it, yeah. it just tanked from there and it's not been the same well it won't ever be the same will it i suppose but no no but you know now live music's not you know, that's it's going to struggle to come back from this coronavirus as well. I yeah, think. Um, yeah. The so whole... music's really taken a kick in over the last couple of decades. Mm. But, well, that's a fucking cheerful note to end on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, but these are the times where you know something good comes out of it. You know. Well, that's true. I mean, some of the most interesting creatives, I mean, ultimately it's like, well, what, what do you want to look at? How do you want to look at it? Do you want to look at it as a creative enterprise or as a financial one? Because mm. from a creative standpoint, these kind of trials and tribulations are what generate the best creative material. And, you know, I think if there was one thing to be said for all this kind of lockdown sort of stuff, like people that are holed up, in their houses and they're beavering away and they're being creative and you can yeah. see it you know you can see it on social media people are writing they're they're putting live stuff up ben's rewriting bass lines <laughs> left right and center all over the gap oh <laughs> yeah he's done a cracking job of uh, sound, sounds from the underground sounds uh, from, sounds sounds from the underground the underground like, what is what is sorry i knew i got that wrong sake. Sound sound of the underground, of the underground. <laughs> it sounds, yeah yeah nice one granddad i'd, I'd probably listen um, I definitely I just, had a couple of them back in the, the, the air guitar album days. Oh yeah, that's okay. <laughs> but yeah, I think that's uh, that's a good enough a way to. That's, uh, that's to good enough, like, isn't it? Good enough. Okay. No, nobody's listening to this last little part. So we've all got onto the Peter Crouch podcast by now. I so, think all our, all our collective uh, yeah, heads have blown off for completely. Coming on, it's been no, it's been great, great wow. hearing your tales, and uh, one last one in particular has blown my head off. So. <laughs> Yeah, gaping hole <laughs> yeah. where my brain used to be. Cheers, Phil. Um, well, yeah, look, lovely to see you, mate. Bye-bye. Um, thanks Thank you. so much for coming on. Not at all. Not at all. Thanks very much for having me. Nice one, mate. You stay oh, safe, good, safe and healthy and well and all that. Cheers, fellas. See you soon. Yeah, Bye. Bye. Bye.
pas 